Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. I think people think that you have different cups for all of the stressors in your life. So let's say you have four different cups. You have life stress, then you have work stress, then you have training stress, and then maybe you have like sleep and nutrition stress, which yeah. is like you're not eating enough, you're not sleeping enough, whatever that may be. All of that stress is actually in one cup. So someone's like working themselves to a bone, training and peaking for a marathon, and is having relationship issues at home, their cup is overflowing. And it's not gonna end well for that person. Hey everyone, it's Meredith. You're listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk about how to rest your way to fitness. And what I mean by that is rest days. What are they? What do they do? Who should take them? When you should take them? And how to figure out if you actually need a rest day or if you're just kind of maybe letting yourself off the hook a little bit. If you're someone who has struggled to take rest days in the past or just don't really understand the concept of them and how they fit into a training methodology, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Okay, so one of the things that stands out to me When I think about my time as a competitive athlete, like most recently with CrossFit, I love how I say most recently, like I've been a competitive athlete in many sports. CrossFit was the one that I was most competitive in. But the thing that stands out to me that I remember the most is like when I was really in the thick of it, and I'm sure you were this way too, and we've talked about it, how like everything got to me. I really lacked a lot of like emotional resilience and ability to regulate. Like you're just like teetering on the edge because you're like your stress, like you're just right at that threshold of what you can tolerate from a stress level. And it's not that there's anything super stressful. There doesn't have to be anything super stressful in your life. You just filled up your stress cup with training. Yeah. It's like every little thing that happens is a straw that broke the camel's back. Like things that don't even make sense. You're like, why are you crying? Yeah. About this. But anyways, like I don't really feel that anymore, at least not with training. Like that's not what gets me there. I have other stresses and weeks that can get me there. I think it's like it's the physical stress combined with the mental and emotional stress that being a high level CrossFit athlete is. Yeah. It's so time consuming. It's exhausting. It's high intensity. But also like most people who are doing it and we've talked about this before are also working mm. or managing families. Most or, you mean most like kind of it, casual doers of Yeah, or even like people who call themselves elite. Yeah. Like it's like playing okay. rec hockey, but doing it for like five hours a day. Yes. Yes. Like of course that's gonna take a toll. And people do it year round. Like they never take breaks from it. No. CrossFit doesn't have a off season. I mean like even at the elite level, there's an off season and then right in the middle of it there's like rogue invitational. Like even elite athletes aren't really getting an off season. Yeah. So anyways, I would say that our training is a little more controlled and yours more periodized now. Your focus is more, at least from a competitive standpoint, running. And that's really easy to periodize because you're only doing like two marathons per year. Yeah. I guess this will be a three marathon year. You're really only peaking like twice a year Mm -hmm. for that. And so it's like most of the time it's just sort of maintenance miles sort of low aerobic base, just running to keep volume up. 
Yeah, I would say there's still an emphasis on improving in those off season. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it off season, but like it's still very focused training. It's just the volume is lower. And then, yeah, like when you're leading up to a marathon, you have like the other pressures of, at least for me, like, and for a lot of people who are just training for marathons, like completing it. Yeah. Managing injuries, like that mental stress also. And then having a time goal. Yeah. You know, you're not just out running. A lot of the times when you're training with a focus, you have pace goals and stuff and that's stressful. Well, yeah. And when you're prepping for a marathon, you're spending more of your volume, like you're doing more volume at race pace, mm-hmm. like that starts to increase. So and not just only, more volume in general. Yeah. Not only is your volume increasing, but your volume with intensity is increasing. And so that starts to take a role. And I love like this past weekend and we're really getting into it for you. Like, we're, yeah, I'm, I'm less than three weeks, three away. weeks away. And I remember this happened with LA and definitely happened with Boston. And then to a lesser degree with Calgary, because Calgary was kind of that weird marathon where you had already kind of peaked for it. And so it was just sort of retaining. When you're about three weeks out, your speed works really high, volume's really high. Like you get really tired and sort of edgy, not in like a uncontrolled emotional kind of way. Like I think maybe you used to be with CrossFit, but there's definitely like kind of a line. There's a fine line. And it's hard because I'm in a very different physiological state. Like I'm definitely maintenance mode. Like I'm still training every day, still trying to improve. And like, I feel really good, but I'm not necessarily like overreaching. I'm not trying for a marathon. I'm not training for anything specifically. And that has come to a head for us (laughs) a few times in the last little bit. Yeah. Like this weekend when I'm like, I really just want to have some rest this weekend. And you're like, Nah. Well, no. No, no you no. said, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. And then you proceeded to not rest at all. And then we have this weird dynamic where if one of us isn't resting, like wants to go do something or wants to fix something in the house or clean up or whatever, the other person feels the need to partake. Yeah. It's very hard to like rest when the other person isn't. And like, maybe that's just like something we need to work on as a couple. It's kind of the same thing with work. Like you're in a phase right now where you have a little bit more on your plate with work. Yeah. Whereas I'm more in maintenance mode with like my responsibilities. And then in the spring, I was in like really big work mode. Yeah. Trying to start a run club and you were in like maintenance mode. And so like that was a struggle too. Yeah. It's not just like training. It's anything that fills your cup. I saw something on Instagram and I've talked about this a lot. I think people think that you have different cups for all of the stressors in your life. So let's say you have four different cups. You have life stress or maybe let's say relationship stress. So yeah. like just like personal life stuff. Then you have work stress, then you have training stress, and then maybe you have like sleep and nutrition stress, which yeah. is like you're not eating enough, you're not sleeping enough, whatever that may be. All of that stress is actually in one cup. And that one cup is only one size. I mean, yeah. maybe over time it grows, like you can handle more volume, but the cup for the most part stays the same. So if your training load is really high, you should really be managing the other stress in your life. So if someone's like working themselves to a bone, training and peaking for a marathon and is having relationship issues at home, like their cup is overflowing Yeah, and it's not going to end well for that person, most likely. No. And it's not sustainable long-term. It's just, it's not a good situation. Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, let's talk about rest. Yeah. I mean, and I will say like you said, like a lot of what, I think underlies your recent desire for rest was there was a lot of work stress last week. 
And anyways, it's hard for me to like want to take a chill day on the couch when like I don't feel like you. Yeah. And there is stuff to be done around the house. And also like our condo is not super big. So if someone's moving around and doing things like you hear it anyways, so you may as well go get involved. And that can be very irritating when what you want to do is like maybe veg out and have a Netflix day. And I'm not really that good at like proactively like resting. Mm -hmm. I get to a limit and then I'm like, must sleep. I just like will disappear for three hours in the middle of the day and go to bed. Yeah. Because I I can't function. Yeah. Like, I mean, it happens probably once a month if I'm in training, like once every two weeks. Yeah. Sometimes you just sort of like pass out. Yeah. Like on the couch and I'm like out. Yeah. And then I'll I'll sleep for like 10 hours and then I'm good. Yeah. But I can tell because it's just like comes with a lot of like irritation. Yeah. There's a part of me that doesn't want to do workouts or runs, which yeah. is odd for me. Like if I'm really struggling to get out for a run, then I'm like, this isn't me. Yeah. Like, it's, it's maybe time to either like take it back a notch with my training volume or increase rest in other areas of my life. Yeah. So it's yeah. like a constant balance, I think. But yeah. It's not easy when we're not in the same state. No. I think when we were doing CrossFit, we were definitely in the same state. Yes. Like rest days were very welcome. We did them the exact same way. Yeah. And I'm also like, I'm medicated now in a way that makes it difficult for me to sit down sometimes. But it was tricky last weekend because like I was tired on Saturday and then you were really tired on Sunday. Well, that's because I didn't take my medicine on Sunday. <laughs> so I was like, like, I need a day flop. off. Yeah. And it was just like a Sunday. I was like a robot powering. I was like, mm. <laughs> that's what it felt like for me. <laughs> Anyways, I actually slept past 530, which was amazing. Yeah. So rest days are, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're trying to think about how to structure this episode because rest days are, it's a concept I think most people who exercise are familiar with. Very simply, it's just a day off training. I think a lot of people struggle with how to implement them, where they go in training, when to know, like you said, intuitively when you need to back off and take a rest day versus maybe I just, I don't want to do my workout today. Like there's a difference there. And so how do we like delineate these different facets of rest days? And so like, I guess we can start with a definition, like the purpose of rest days in athletics is to allow the body to recover and adapt from training, like very simply. And I would say most elite athletes definitely take rest days. I think we take one or two per week. I guess one, I'm on a one, one rest day per week. Same. I take Mondays as rest. Yeah. A lot of people take two, but those people are also doing a lot of times two sessions per day, which Lindsay takes two. Yeah. When I was doing CrossFit, I think I took two. And the only reason you don't take two now is because the only way to get your running volume up was to add in another running day. And so that got rid of one of your rest days, but like your gym training and your functional fitness training looks a lot different. So there's an argument to be made and obviously like you're performing well. So I think one day a week works. So Yeah. yeah, rest and recovery. And there's an actual physiological need for it. When we were thinking about like you know, who needs rest days, who doesn't need rest days. Like, I think you can kind of categorize people into two categories. So you have people who are training like a very structured, very progressive kind of way. They're definitely overreaching as far as training is concerned. The goal of an overreaching phase of training is to impose a very large stress on your body and then immediately enter a recovery phase. So you create this super compensation, you overreach and then the body, you know, essentially is like, oh no. And then it super compensates so that it doesn't get into that state again. 
And when you do that enough, that's how you see progression in fitness. However, we want to define fitness. This is the same for strength athletes. It's the same for endurance athletes. This concept of overreaching kind of transcends modalities. So when we're looking at a highly structured progressive training, there's an element of overreaching that's baked into that training. And so if you have someone who has a a relatively high training age, they're very well adept in the gym, they know what they're doing and they're coached well, they're going to be able to get into that overreaching phase fairly easily. And so for that athlete, rest days are really necessary to create the adaptation. So you kind of think about talk about how they'll be able to get into it easily. So it's like they're able to get into it easily because they have the capacity to push hard enough. Yeah. Like they're strong enough to be able to be lifting to create like a pretty aggressive stimulus. Yeah. Or running at prerequisite speeds. They understand intensity. Yeah. They can dial up the intensity when needed. They can dial back when needed. Like a flaw with an intermediate athlete is they just kind of operate in this gray zone for intensity. They do their easy training too hard, their hard training not hard enough. And so they never really get into that overreaching phase. And so you see this type of athlete just kind of never get better. As an example, like a beginner runner, really only has one pace. Yeah. Like, and that's fine. And then eventually they get that pace, you know, you get faster and then you program different paces. And it's kind of similar with CrossFit, like a max for a lot of like new beginning CrossFit athletes is also a weight that they can probably hit for multiple reps. Yeah. It's just, there isn't a huge delineation. Right. Yeah. So assuming someone can hit the like right intensities and get into an overreaching phase. Like essentially that's sort of like digging a hole in the ground. You have to replace that. Like you have to push dirt back into that. And so that's kind of where rest comes in. And that's the case for rest days, like cessation of training days. But that also applies to your rest and recovery on the day of training. So, you know, from a growth hormone standpoint, like human growth hormone is produced largely at nighttime when you're asleep. And so typically, if someone doesn't have a good, like if they're not getting good sleep, if they're not prioritizing that, like they're not going to be able to train well and with the right intensity. So the rest kind of starts on a daily basis and how you rest and recover from individual sessions. But then those rest days offer a lot of opportunity for adaptation, recovery, both physically and mentally, so that you can go back into the gym the next day and continue to push the effort in the way that you're supposed to be in whatever you know, training phase that you're in. So there's that group of people. And then there's kind of the gin pop people, the people who are training in less structured ways. Maybe they aren't on a progressive program. Maybe they follow, you know, boot camp workouts. Maybe they do Pilates or, you know, Orange Theory or they run 5K per day. Yeah, just sort of like unstructured. I do what I want to do on the day. It makes me feel good. You know, they could be really fit people. Like they could have a solid base. Like I think that there's this belief that training has to be a certain way to be effective for health. And it doesn't like, it just needs to be, and that's fine. But we have these kind of gin pop recreational exercises that aren't necessarily exercising with a particular progressive focus in mind, whether that's aerobic, whether it's strength-based, whether it's mixed modality. And so The research is pretty underwhelming from a physiological standpoint on how efficacious rest days actually are for those people, which is just to say they don't actually do anything days off of the gym. It doesn't make people necessarily 
better at training. It doesn't affect their output. I think it's this is there's nothing to adapt to. Right. And so I was kind of surprised to read that when you stop and think about it, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, if you're not putting in a whole lot of energy, a lot of focus and a lot of intensity and you're not overreaching and training, there's just not a need really take rest days off from a purely physical standpoint. And so that's kind of the delineation between, you know, more elite, well-structured trainees, athletes, if you want to call them that, and people who exercise recreationally. So you know, you might hear that and make the assumption like, well, then I guess gen pop recreational exercisers never need to take a day off. And I don't think that's correct. I don't think so either. Yeah. So, you know, there's this one study and I'll make sure that it's linked. It was a 2022 meta-analysis, but it essentially says that despite the data on rest days and on training cessation being underwhelming from a performance standpoint, in the presence of actual fatigue, whether it's like central nervous system fatigue or physical fatigue, which, by the way, can be the result of a lot of other things that are unrelated to what you do for exercise every day. In the presence of fatigue, it's a good idea to take a day or two off to take actual rest days. And it does help in that situation. They recommend that people monitor how they feel and are honest with how they feel on the day and take rest days as needed in the presence of fatigue. Because I'm sure there's plenty of people who recreationally exercise who have days where they're just torched. They feel completely gassed. Like maybe they've had a busy few weeks at work. Maybe like their kids are wearing them out. So I think there's definitely days and situations. I've never heard of kids wearing adults out. Oh my gosh, Alex. Kids are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in that case, there's definitely value to it. And I think that, and Alex, feel free to jump in here. I've been talking for like 10 minutes straight. I think that the value in rest days for people of all levels, elite down to recreational, there's a mental aspect to it of taking a day out of the gym. There's so many other facets of wellness. There's so many different health seeking behaviors that aren't physical in the same way that lifting weights and running and breathing hard is like there's parasympathetic activities, reading a book, going for a walk outside, doing breathing exercises doing yoga, like doing a cold plunge if cold plunges are your thing. Like there's other things that you can do that benefit your health that are less physical. I used to really struggle with rest days. I think I went like a year without taking one. Even though I was very fit, I was in that kind of like gray phase. Like it was kind of when I started doing CrossFit, was getting better at it just because it was a new form of training. Yeah. But it was like running 10K a day, 8K a day for, you know, every single Mm. day doing CrossFit, like really struggled with rest days. And I think the best thing for me was number one, meeting you because you took rest days and it was like, I wanted to spend every minute. So I was like, I can't be training and you're just there. I have to be with you. (laughs) But also when we were living downtown, I would schedule a massage on Mondays. To me, that represented something that's hooked the place of training. Yeah. Mentally, it was like, I'm still doing something for me, for my body, for my physical health, even though it was parasympathetic rather than training. So it almost replaced like just going for a run. Yeah. And that's what it took. Now I I don't need that. I often put my rest days on like my busiest day of work because that's just, I like to do that. But it does allow for an opportunity for taking Rue for an extra long walk. And I walk so slow and it's so nice. Yeah. You know, even though most of us work out for an hour a day, that's not that much time if you're used to prioritizing that. 
But getting that hour back, it's like daylight savings. Yeah, it feels like a gift. It does. It really opens the day up. And so it's like, it's getting that hour back. But on top of that, you don't even have to think about where you're going to work out, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to make it work. What are you going to wear? What you're going to do with your kids during that time? Like making it to class after work. Like even though those sound like very small things, For a lot of people who live very busy lifestyles, taking that off the table once a week or even twice a week is huge. Yeah. It's really huge. You know, they don't have to worry about showering twice in a day or, you know, it's just, it really just helps. I had a client who had to take a couple days off of running due to an injury and all of a sudden her macros were really good. And she goes, without as much running, she's training for a half marathon. So her volume's a little bit higher. She's like, without the running this weekend... I was able to put more effort into my nutrition. Mm. It just kind of opened the door for me to do that. Yeah. And for her, she's new to kind of implementing running into her life. So there's a bit of an adjustment period for her and it'll get better. But I think that goes to show like it is hard when you have so much going on. Yeah. And to allow for sustainability and just general consistency, taking that rest day can be huge. Yes. And I think for, you know, talking about general population, recreational exercisers, or even people who are outputting at a high level, but also have other obligations. And I would lump us into this category, even though I think people would look at us and think otherwise, but we do have a really full schedule and a lot of obligations week to week. And so exercise is something that has to be planned in for us. But anyways, a lot of people have a lot of other things. And so there just isn't time to do everything every single day. And so when you relinquish that hour, that 90 minutes that you would normally spend training, you can prep food, you can read a book, you can go for a walk. You can take your kids to the park. Yeah. Catch up on work. Those things that like, that actually do make you feel good in other ways, you know, you can start to bring those up to par and then that reduces stress overall. And I think when you can frame it as like, I'm still committed to, the goals that I have, I am still committed to being a person who exercises regularly. And I know that taking this day allows me to continue to do that with some longevity. And I think you start to understand the bigger picture and how these days empower consistent effort that makes them easier. I think a lot of people get really stuck, you know, looking at only the week or only the month when, you know, it's not to be cliche, but it's what you do most of the time that matters. And so, When you build a habit of exercise, whatever level you're training at, novice, elite, whatever it is, when you do it for a long time, those days off that are planned or you have to miss because something has come up, they don't bother you anymore because you understand like, you know, it's a blip on the radar. You understand like even if I were to get injured and have to take a month off, that's okay because I have such a solid base of habits formed and it's such a big part of my identity that it doesn't bother me. I think when people feel insecure about the things that they're doing and, you know, maybe they're new to training, maybe they're really excited about it. So there's that element. Like they really, they actually do love it. There's this insecurity that can come out that taking days off is going to have a negative impact on performance. When in reality, it tends to have a positive impact on performance in the long run. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding and like how to frame that. The other day we, we did a post on Instagram about how it's the little things that you do every day, not the big goals that you want to achieve that ultimately change who you are as a person. 
And in that post, we talked about daily habits and, and things like that. And I think in the caption, you know, maybe I asked people to say, what's one small thing that you started doing a long time ago that completely changed who you are? And so that sort of kicked off a conversation in the comment section. And then one person asked the question, you know, because a lot of people were like daily walking. I think I commented for my personal account and said, you know, a daily exercise routine, which I started back in 2012. And so someone asked, well, with daily exercise, like if you commit to doing daily exercise, like, well, what happens when you get sick? Do you just exercise anyways? At first, I was kind of taken aback by that. But then I, I remembered, like, a lot of people think that way. They're like, well, I've committed to doing exercise and now I'm sick. So I guess I just exercise anyways. But commitment, I think, is a lot of people think of it as this like rigid thing, as this like fixture in your life, when really I think it's more of a flexible, actually it requires flexibility because often to stay committed to something means that you have to change the way that you do it and sometimes not do it on a day if you are sick or it is a planned rest day because you've built that into your schedule. So I think it's, it's understanding like what commitment is can look different day to day. And sometimes it looks like doing nothing. Sometimes it looks like resting. Because that's how you facilitate longevity in the endeavor. Yeah, I, we actually discussed this probably a year ago now. I think I was talking about one of my marathon preps and I had posted a picture of my Garmin calendar. Every day that I ran was a green mark and it was every single Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And it looked perfect. And like that was a rare month for me. Like sometimes I have to move my runs around. And I posted and I put consistency and I was really proud of that. And it just looked pretty. I yeah. like uniform things. And then it kind of spurred the conversation of like, that's not what consistency needs to look like. That's not the definition. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, that's great looking consistent. That is very consistent. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm like more committed than anyone else. Like it doesn't mean that consistency can't look different. Yeah. You know, somebody could run four days a week, then two days, then three days, then two days. And that's consistency. And they could be sick for the first week of the month. And then they, you know, get back on it for the last three weeks of the month. And that's consistency. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like it comes down to commitment and consistency is measured over long periods of time. And I think to go back to probably the last podcast or many others where we've talked about that timeline issue, which is if you set a timeline on something and you miss a week or a month or you start counting out rest days, like it's going to seem like you're not as committed because you're only looking at a very short period of time. Like if you look at seven days and you're taking two or three rest days, that's almost 50% off. Yeah. But if you take however many months of resting once or twice, that's still a lot of workouts. Yes. And it looks like you're filling in most days. So I don't know. I think it's just, it's how you frame it and it's how you define it for yourself. You know, for some people, consistency is one day a week for a year mm -hmm. and they have to start there and that's dang consistent for them. And that's commitment. So I mean, it's all about how you define it and how you frame it. Yeah. Let's go back to the topic of rest days and how do people implement those? I don't think that for the most part, people should look at elite athletes and do what they do. Like, I don't think that elite athletes are particularly good examples of health most of the time. But when it comes to training, if you're trying to do a better job with training and you're trying to wrap your head around how structure can benefit you, even without super progressive training, even if you are someone who intermittently runs, who does orange theory, who does boot camps, who does, you know, training that isn't distinctly progressive, the thing that you can take away from elite athletes and the thing that you can implement and will actually be beneficial is structured rest days. 
if you have the schedule to support that. Not everyone does. Maybe, you know, work schedule is different. So anytime we're talking generally, it's not going to catch every single situation. But if you have it in your schedule, if you have a consistent work schedule and you can schedule your rest days as part of your training calendar, that's a really good idea to do for two reasons. Number one, it forces you to take them like they're just there. You might start to look forward to them, but it also tends to increase focus, effort and output in your training days. So it just it creates a little more intention around the week as a whole. If you know, okay, I train Monday through Saturday and I take Sunday off or I train Monday through Thursday and then I take Friday and Sunday off or Thursday and Sunday off, whatever the schedule is, you know, ends up being that works for you. You can take three days a week off. It doesn't really matter. But having that schedule set, you're no longer in that situation where you even have to ask the question of should I work out today or should I rest? Because you know, because you know what day of that the week question it is. is really exhausting. Yeah, it is. We'll talk about that after. Yeah. But the decision is already made. Like it's just there. You're like, well, it's Thursday. So I'm resting because it's Thursday. Now, if you have something coming up on the weekend and you know that you're going to be tied up Saturday, maybe you change your schedule, but it gives you a starting point for making decisions. Because a lot of people I do think get into, especially if you're a busy professional, like if you are working hard and you work out after work, it's really easy to just decide that you need a rest day if it's unstructured. Maybe you're tired and they're like, you know, what? I don't really feel like working out. That workout looks kind of hard. I don't want to, you know, change clothes and go out in the cold and go to the spin studio or whatever it is. And so it's a lot easier to opt out of your training without that schedule, without the structure. Would you agree? Agreed. Yeah. So it's one less decision to make. Yeah. And I think kind of going back to the question of, and we touched on this, I don't remember what podcast, and I think I said this should be a whole episode. So now it is. But there was a question on our Instagram that was, well, how do I know if I actually need a rest day or if I'm just letting myself off the hook? That's such a good question. It, it really is. And I think if you look at the study that you cited, the answer is you're letting yourself off the hook. Most of the time, From a probably. physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. But from a mental standpoint, it's so hard to know. Everyone lives different lives. There's yeah. so many different factors. I think, ugh, it, this is a very tough topic. And I think it's really just asking yourself and being hard and curious and somewhat critical and really ask yourself, like, am I letting myself off the hook? And then to complicate it more, I've been there. Everyone's been there where it's like, once I got out the door or once I showed up in class, it just, it was actually a really good workout. But then you do have days where you're slogging through the workout. Oh, where it's actually a really terrible And you're like, workout. you know what? I probably should have rested. And I think, like I said, it's very difficult to answer this question. And I think the answer to it is schedule rest days. And if you're somebody who enjoys training and who doesn't typically struggle with motivation and you really don't want to train one day, it's probably that you need a rest day. It's like when you or, you know, sometimes me, although I've had my struggles with consistency recently, but when one of us is like, I don't want to work out like that's a good indication, like maybe it's time. But I think for a lot of people. And just generally looking back and like reflecting on what your habits have been like historically, what have your habits been like? Do you find yourself if you're being honest, do you feel like you're letting yourself off the hook? Do you find yourself making excuses to not work out a lot of the time 
it may not even feel like an excuse. It may just be that you make decisions to do other things. Like any opportunity that presents itself that would create a conflict for working out and result in you skipping your workout, do you tend to take that opportunity and create convenient ways out of exercise? I would venture. Please venture. And some people might feel seen here that it's the latter. People are letting themselves off the hook more often than not. And uh, I, I hate, I almost hate to say that because I know people have so much stress in their lives that I frankly just don't have because I, I work for myself. I'm flexible. I don't have kids. There's a lot of things in my life that just make it easier for me to get workouts in. Yeah. I think if most people committed to getting in the workout, they would be like, oh, I just needed to get going. It would be very rarely that they're slogging through the workout yeah. and they're like, mm, I shouldn't have worked out. I'm actually too tired or I'm yeah. overtrained or whatever like we said, is very uncommon. But I think the solution, because people probably want a solution, if you're struggling to work out and you're thinking, maybe I'm letting myself off the hook too much, a good starting point would be to schedule and commit to like two days a week of training. Yeah. And then see how you feel physically, mentally, mindset-wise. Like if you really hate training or working out, which some people do, but they know that they need to do it for their health and wellness and to support other great things in their life, Commit to two days a week. If you're somebody who like takes multiple weeks off in a row, commit to one and schedule that every Tuesday. And you know what? If you need support or an accountability, get an accountability buddy or sign up for a class or hire a trainer. As expensive as those people are, they can really get people like into the habit of getting to the gym. Do that for two months. Then add another day. Then two months or however long. Add a third day. And maybe eventually you're somebody who works out five days a week, or maybe you're like, you know what? Three is enough for me with my responsibilities. I'm going to plug in two walking days, whatever it may be. Make it as easy as possible. Get a home gym, simple, couple of dumbbells, something. But I think if you're asking yourself that question, you probably already know the answer. You probably already know the answer. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in like generally asking yourself, what am I resisting? Like what's showing up? For me, that's challenging me and I'm resisting. Or the question is maybe do an audit and say, Mm -hmm. where can I allocate more energy to this? Yeah. That's another option. Like If you're like, my job is so arduous that I literally don't have time or can't work out and you really want to, like maybe you need to talk to your boss. Yeah. Like create some boundaries. Yeah. And carve out some time. Like I'm not, excuses can be valid. Oh, hundred percent. There are really good reasons and really like incredible circumstances that can hold people back. Yeah. But I think the key is taking whatever ownership you can in that situation and understanding like I didn't create this, but it's still my problem. It's interfering with something that I want to be doing for myself. And then I hate to be an ass, but figure it out. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, Meredith and I just quit our jobs. <laughs> I mean, that's an extreme example. Yeah. But, I mean, there was a while there. And like, granted, like, I understand that our situation is different and like not everyone can quit their job. Even when I was working in pharmaceuticals, the facility where I worked had an incredible gym, like basically a, a CrossFit gym. And so I would go train at lunch. Like I would work out twice a day while working a full-time job because I had the ability to go train for an hour at lunch in a world-class facility that was on our campus. And so like when I I was working, I trained at five 30 and then I trained again at 7 PM. Yeah. I remember that those (laughs) days that was exhausting. Yeah, it was, that's not sustainable. Wouldn't recommend. No, but I think, yeah, not everyone can quit their jobs, but there are typically like small concessions that can be made. I mean, I have clients who 
work very demanding jobs and they're up. They work at a 430 in the morning mm-hmm. and they've set their days up to facilitate that both from a, you know, a morning schedule, but also taking care of their evening routines. Like everything is just so. So it allows them to do this thing that's important. So it can be done. It usually just requires some attention to details elsewhere or creating boundaries and putting your foot down and, you know, advocating for yourself and what you want mm-hmm. and making decisions that help you get there. But I think, yeah, that question, you know, what am I resisting? That works for whether you're you're resisting doing workouts or you're resisting taking rest days. It works for both. Yeah. Because I mean, both people exist, like not running. Like I did CrossFit training, strength and conditioning for like 28 days in a row one time because I was so excited about it. It was back in like 2013, 2014. I loved it so much. I didn't want to take a day off. I mean, I have people who are like, I just realized I haven't taken a day off in 13 days. Yeah. Yeah. Because they really do love it. Yeah. But I was like, I felt fine. And then I started getting sick. Mm -hmm. I was that person who was like constantly, I had a cold. And that was when I was training, yeah, two times a day and working a full-time job. I was not sleeping enough. And I was just, I was so excited about the training that it was impacting my health. That was when I got serious about rest days. And I was like, I can't even go to the gym because if I go to the gym, I'm going to work out. So I think that I was resisting rest days at that time. I don't resist them. We don't recommend, you know, if you're a parent and you have a job like a nine to six or eight to six, I mean, work hours are crazy now for a lot of people, but we don't recommend just like being like, all right, I'm going to work out at four 30 every morning from now on five days a week. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I mean, these people clearly have implemented that over time. Probably one of the best quotes from Shante's podcast was a Gandhi quote, which is actions express priorities. And we've talked about how, when you want something to be a priority to you, you know, maybe it was at one point and then kids happened and then work and it's just not a priority anymore. You have to start taking action. Like you have to plant that seed and allow it to grow. And so I, I think that the action precedes something becoming a bigger priority and you have to put in the reps and do the action for like a long time before it's it's automatic. But I, I do think that it creates, it's like this dissonance almost. Like people, they want to be someone who exercises every day, but they're not. And so that creates this internal conflict. Let's talk about the concept of active recovery days. Maybe you have no idea what this is, and I hope that's the case. Active recovery days are something, or active rest days, that's a term that kind of was born of CrossFit. And I think because people really hate taking rest days. So they're like, well, you know, I'm not going to go in there and do a Metcon or lift. So, you know, I'm just going to go and row for 45 minutes at a low intensity, or I'm going to go swim or, or I'm going to go ride the bike. Run. I just, yeah. it's active rest. There's no such thing as active rest. Like zone two cardio, not active rest. If you're doing something, it's not I think, active rest. I think walking or like very, very low intensity yoga, maybe like mobility. Yeah, sure. Could be like active rest, like swimming. People think swimming is recovery. And I'm I, like, unless you're really, 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 really good swimmer, I mean, you explain this better than me. Yeah. So like I am a swimmer. That was my sport growing up. Even the best swimmers in the world are not efficient swimmers when you compare them to water animals. (laughs) Like it's a very taxing form of exercise. Number one, your brain thinks you're drowning. Like there's a CNS (laughs) component to swimming because you you really are. You're fighting the ever present risk of drowning and your brain knows that. Most people are awful swimmers, like actually bad. And I think because swimming is such a, like it's becoming really popular in CrossFit competitions, people want to do it. Poor swimmers, they actually can't swim at a low intensity. It's impossible. 
like floating, moving their body through the water. If they try to swim faster, they don't actually go faster. They just try harder. I think the confusing thing is, is swimming is low impact. Yeah. So that's why people think that. And often if you're wearing a heart rate monitor, your heart rate is lower in swimming. And that's in part because of like the temperature. Yeah. You're also having to thermoregulate more when you swim because you're in a cold body of water. And if you stay in, like you spent a day or two in a swimming pool, you'd die. Like you would eventually die of hypothermia. So there's an element of thermoregulation there too, but it's a horrible rest day. Probably the worst active rest day activity that there is because it's very stressful. Yeah. It's not, rest days aren't just about resting your muscles. No. It's about resting your system. And your mind. Yeah. Give your brain a break. If you want to go like float around in a hot tub or, you know, do some water jogging, sure, go for it. But don't use your active rest day or your rest day period to try to go get better at swimming because that's a workout and it's mentally draining. But that's my favorite one because you will do that one all the time. And also like swimming really jacks up your appetite for most people. I don't know if you've maybe you're familiar. I'm definitely familiar, but you finish a swim session and you feel like you eat your arm. Yeah. And also I don't think any of us want to spend the amount of money on the lotion required to rehydrate your skin after swimming. Oh my God. Right. I like, I'm a good swimmer, so I don't really have to do it that much, but um, I spend way too much money on blonde hair to like, (laughs) I I had that realization last year. I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, what the hell? And like, there just aren't that many. I feel like a raisin when I walk out of the swimming pool. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of chlorine. I feel like a raisin when I'm peeing a lot, which means I probably swallowed a lot of water along the way. So you've actually ingested a lot of chlorine (laughs) and other people's like sweat and urine, most likely. <laughs> I if try not to think about swimming that. Swimming in a pool with kids. I've never enjoyed swimming, but I've gotten decent enough at it and took swimming lessons as a kid that I can get by. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. Tapping. And it's it's definitely not something that should take place in of a rest day. Yeah. And active recovery again. Just take the Just day. Take the day. Just relax. Just watch a movie, weirdo. Let's talk really quick. We'll wrap up with rest day eating. Should people eat the same on rest days where they're not working out? Should they eat less? Should they eat more? What's the consensus there? I would say that's highly personal. Highly individual. <laughs> highly individual. I'll try to sum this up. If you are somebody who is elite, like elite runner, elite crossfitter, and your appetite is generally suppressed on your high volume days, rest days can be a really great opportunity for, in quotes, a refeed day where you actually eat more than you would on a training day. Because your body is in a rest and digest mode, so it can digest the food that you're eating and put it to use in helping your recovery Mm. for the next day. It can be a really good opportunity to eat more. I do that. Mondays, I eat a ton because I'm not training. There's more time for eating, and I don't have to worry about being too full for a training session. If there's somebody who just doesn't feel as hungry on a day that they rest, maybe they sleep in. They get a little more sleep. The day is shorter. They don't need to eat as much. Some people actually enjoy eating slightly less. And I don't typically say like, oh, let's, you know, have you eat less. It's more like don't force feed. Be happy with where you're at. And then the next day when you're back to training and your appetite is higher, eat to your macros or targets or what you normally eat if they're not tracking. I think most people should eat the same on their rest days as they do on their training days. Just keep it consistent. It just makes it easier. Yeah. And the last thing is... I don't think that somebody should have to earn their food, which means you don't have to train to eat what you would normally eat on a training day. So that kind of just goes back to eat the same amount. Unless you're somebody who really just doesn't have an appetite, like I just said, you don't have to eat less because you're training less. Like your body doesn't work like that. 
it's not acute like that. Yeah, it's, it's not making daily adjustments to your activity and intake. In fact, like the best way to conceptualize this is to think of your like your diet and your training in like two week blocks. Like you don't look at what you've done on the day. You look at kind of, okay, what have I done on average for 10 to 14 days? Because that's about how long it takes to adapt to training anyways, even if you're training recreationally, like it it takes 10 days to adapt to what you do. And the same thing goes for food. Like just because you train more, you know, eating more that day or the day after might make you feel a little bit better in the moment. But again, like nutrition, it's more of a rule of averages. Like it's what you do over that period of time on average that matters from an energy standpoint, from body composition, performance, that kind of thing. Micromanaging nutrition around your activity for the day. It's just, it's not the right way to go about it. You it's, know what I, this reminds me of carb cycling. Yeah. Yeah. Carb oh my gosh. What a way to make a person crazy. Yeah. Especially like daily carb cycling. Oh gosh. Like there's for sure, there's utility and benefit in periodizing carb intake around training sessions for the specific purpose of replenishing glycogen stores. Like that is, that's well understood. Let's, it's well done. So that would be like having carbs immediately after your workout. Maybe even carb loading would be an example of that. Yeah. Eating carbs. Like people always say, well, what do I eat before a workout? Carbs, piece of bread. What do I eat after? Also carbs. Banana, Gatorade, yeah. you know, yeah, that's, the, the that's what we're talking about. Usually carbs. We're not talking about not eating any fruit on your rest day because you yeah. can't have carbs. Yeah. That's carb cycling. Yeah. It's, it's like sort of broad manipulations of macronutrients around training and activity as a way to like, I guess, regulate body weight. People think that it helps with glycogen utilization when you do exercise, which it, it doesn't have that effect. If you're somebody who's carb cycling, and I think most people who've carb cycled have done it for like a 30 day stint, probably mm. as part of a challenge or something. You mean like Ryan Fisher's challenge? Yeah. Okay. Ryan Fisher also, his training program has like serious deload weeks. And mm. I'm just like, why? Most people don't need to no. deload. Anyway. Yeah. If you've done carb cycling and you're doing carb cycling for a really long time, you should get another hobby. hundred percent. Find yeah. something more do, useful to do with your time. Like knitting. Then be adjusting your nutrition on a daily basis to an extreme degree. Yeah. Literally anything. Like just don't. I know this might sound judgy, but it's more like I'm helping. Yeah. The only kind of carb cycling I'm interested in is like being on a bicycle and eating <laughs> carbs. Literally carb cycling. I am, I, while I am cycling. That's my, that when I think carb cycling, yeah, I'm into I like that. that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So everyone should carb cycle. If you're carb, if that's your version of carb cycling, yes. If it's anything else where you're not eating carbs, no. Yeah. If, if it involves a bicycle, yes. Unless you're not eating carbs on the bicycle and then no. Yeah. I like it. That's summed up. That's it. Yeah. So to wrap this up, I just want to say, okay, when we picked this topic, I did not think it would be as complicated as it is. Look, like I've been racking my brain on how to even talk about this. It's a lot. We packed a lot into a a small podcast. Yeah. I think that the takeaway here, like structure it, schedule it, like take rest days. If for no other reason than they help your brain, but build them into your schedule so that you don't have to make the decision. If you work with a coach, get them to help you. And they probably already have. And what they're looking for, like if you're continuing to progress in the markers of fitness that are being monitored, then don't like keep doing what you're doing. Like stay on the rest day schedule that's working for you. Don't feel like you have to change it. And if they're a good coach and they see that, you know, things are not going well or that you're reporting being very tired. And by the way, you should be honest with your coach if you work with one based on like how you feel. They'll make changes like Alex this week. He told Mike, our coach, that last week really sort of tanked you like it was really tiring. Yeah, I was like, I got mad at Meredith twice. 
on Saturday and I never get mad at Meredith for literally no reason at all. She was literally just breathing. And I was like, can you stop? No, but anyways, you gave Mike that feedback. And so this week you have an extra rest day to help with volume and making sure that you're fresh for your long run on Saturday, which is a very important run. So rely on the resources that you have available to you. If you're not sure, like, again, you don't need to worry or feel bad about not being sure about this stuff or not knowing. Yeah. Reach out for help. Like, you know, while we are predominantly a nutrition company, we're also a fitness company, a habits coaching company, and we help people with this stuff all the time. So if you're struggling to implement a schedule, whether it's with nutrition or with exercise, or you're just struggling to hold yourself to your commitments that you want to make, like that's literally what we do. And, you know, you can work with us for a short period of time. You can work with us for a long period of time, but we help people with this stuff all the time and, you know, give it a year and see what type of person you are with regards to training and rest days and how that makes you feel. Yeah. I think experience too. If you're asking yourself the question, like, am I tired or, you know, am I letting myself off the hook? Then you work out anyways and you have a great workout. That's something you put in your pocket and you're like, you know, I felt pretty good on that workout. It's probably that that I wasn't really that tired or I was just tired from work. It's experience. Mm -hmm. It's like you just kind of learn about yourself through life and through implementing different workout routines or lifestyles. Yeah. It's fun. It's a fun process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't need to judge yourself one way or the other. Yeah. Stay curious. And this, uh, hopefully this wasn't anything that made anybody feel bad, but kind of made you think like, maybe I could be doing a better job in one way or another. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening. As always, we hope you got something out of this episode. And if you did and you liked it, please share it with your friends and family. Make sure you subscribe. Please leave us a review. Like seriously, five stars. And a written review goes a long way for our statistics and search engine optimization. We really appreciate it. So we will talk to you soon. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.